Thank you so much, Danielle, for that wonderful, special singing scripture to us. What a blessing. Well, I have the great joy and privilege to introduce our special guest speaker this morning. Does Shannon Hurley really need to be introduced? I say no. He is one of the most passionate, God-loving men that, that we know, and it's one of the reasons we love him and Danielle and their sweet family. And they have been serving in Uganda since 2006, 13 plus years serving the founder, director of SOS Ministries, Sufficiency of Scripture Ministries. And they do a little bit of everything, educating, caring for people's physical needs, pastor training, local church, outreach, all kinds of things. And that's really just a... a and for those of you that were blessed to get the update this morning at 9 a.m., it's to what? To help people follow who? The king. And that's really what summarizes their ministry. It's about Christ. And so without further ado, let's give Dr. Shannon Hurley a warm Lakeside Bible Church welcome. Are they going to do the video Were you going to do a video or no? No. Huh? Yeah, let's play the video. Just so you, those of you that weren't in Sunday school, this is, this is like church. This is family. We can like hang out, right? Let's just do the video just so you can see a little bit about Uganda before I come up. SOS Ministries located deep in a village of Uganda, Africa, is a ministry that seeks to make a difference that will last for generations. SOS is motivated out of key values, such as the supremacy of Christ, dependency on Christ, passion for the local church, discipleship, and love of people. SOS works with a national leadership team to accomplish its mission of impacting its community for Christ and strengthening churches throughout all of East Africa. Since moving to Uganda in 2006, God has faithfully brought Shannon and Danielle Hurley through many hurdles and heartaches to see this organization grow from a distant dream to a reality. In their efforts to accomplish their first goal of discipling their community, with their team of Ugandan leaders and key missionary families, they established a church of 300 nationals and a high-quality primary school in an impoverished community. And in an effort to achieve their second goal of solidifying God's church in Uganda, SOS is strengthening 1,500 Baptist churches through conferences, leadership trainings, church visitations and strategic planning and is now launching Shepherd's Training Center to fully equip the future pastors of Uganda, which sets the stage for a revolutionizing church planting movement throughout East Africa. We believe that God, right now, is writing the history of His church in East Africa. And we invite you to participate with us in making it happen. There, for some of you have not, we're not in Sunday school, ungodly ones that we're not in Sunday school this morning. Uh, just kidding. 
I wanted to at least get to see a little bit of what we're doing in Uganda. I am a missionary to Uganda, Africa. I love Uganda, and it's an honor to serve there, and thank you as a church body for partnering with us to that end. It's a joy and a privilege to be associated with such, an organiza- such a church as this and, uh, and to be considered part of the family. And uh, what a joy it is to, as well, be back here. It's been a little while since we've been here. Uh, normally, we swing through often, but it's been a little while since we've been back with this family of ours. And so, good to see all of you. Are you guys good? Uh-huh. Awesome. Awesome. Ethan. Woo! Good to see you, buddy. You're looking good. We're, we're glad... You know, one thing about church that I find interesting is we, family, we're like a family, so I kind of want to hang out a little bit. Can we hang out? Is that allowed? Like a newly married couple here, yeah? Not married? Just like da- dating friends? You don't like it. Engaged. Awesome. When are you getting married? June 20th. Cool. Very good. Awesome. Praise the Lord. My daughter is back here. There's Emma. Emma, wave. There's Emma, my daughter, and her fiance. So you guys got to meet up. And, uh, the, and Stephen back there, her, her folks. And so we're glad that they're with us as well. Uh, what a joy it is to be here and, uh, and celebrate the joy of Christ. Amen? Amen. Are you guys on fire for the Lord? Are you guys like rock and roll? Is the community's being impacted because of you, Yeah. Oh, yeah, all right, awesome, awesome. Well, I want to uh, deliver the word of God to you, and I want to deliver on the subject of the church. And I think that what it does, it enables me to talk about everything we're about in Uganda, but at the same time, encourage you here. There are a few different subjects I threw at Ken, and Ken said, Shannon, preach on the church. So that's what I want to do this morning it's an interesting subject because as I went to the master's college and the master's seminary, they always said church, 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 and a little louder, and there we go. We're going to turn this place into African, so come on, here we go. As I went and got three degrees from the master's college and the master's seminary, totaling 11 years of education, and the total bombardment on the importance and the value of the church, honestly, if I look back, I don't know that I went with that same value. It was a little mysterious. Like, why, why the emphasis of the church like it is? And the truth never really sank into my brain, partly because I'm a slow learner. There might be some other reasons associated with that, but ultimately, I was like, why? What is this emphasis of the church? And it never really inflamed my passions like it did so many other people. It wasn't until I went to Uganda that I began to understand the essential nature and importance of the local church. Part of it is you live in a society where you see total sin all around and you realize the only hope is the local church. And through my journey in Uganda, I now sing the same song, the church, the church, the church. 
I've come to understand that the church is the greatest organization in the world. It is God's most prized possession. The church is the apple of God's eye. And I really believe that it is essential for every believer that is in this church to understand and value the church as God values it. In Uganda, we preach on evangelical essentials, and I have declared this to be an evangelical essential. I think one problem I had growing up and and through those years of seminary was that I never viewed the church from God's perspective. I never looked at it from God's vantage point. I always saw the church from the perspective of the pew. And when you look at it from the perspective of the pew, you cannot help but see things being a little messed up. Am I right? Am I right? You can explain that to your neighbor later. But when you see the church from God's perspective, it's what enables you to see how invaluable this is right here. How invaluable this is right here to even this community. So today, by the help of the grace of God, I want you to see the church from God's perspective. I want us to go to the heavenlies and and look down at the church the way God would see it. In order to do that, I want to give you four facts about the church. How many? Four. Four facts. Everybody go like this. Kids like this. All right. Not like this, but like this, okay? Four facts about the church. But before I do so, I want to ask the Lord to aid us. Let's go to the Lord together. Father, I want to thank you for giving me the privilege and the honor to live for your church. Father, thank you for giving me the opportunity not only to see a church built and established in a small village community in the middle of Africa, but giving me the opportunity to strengthen all churches throughout the country for the glory of your name for the joy of your people. Oh, living God, I pray in the hour that we have together, in this short time together, that you would empower us, that you would embolden us, that you would enlighten us to see how invaluable your church is. Father, I pray that each elder here that are called and entrusted with the body of believers here, that they would feel the urgency of the responsibility, not to the title of elder, but to the responsibility that comes with it. I pray that every member that is present, Father, that they would see your church not just as an event they go to, but as a community in which they have entrusted themselves to. And that they would understand that they have membership responsibilities and that they would not just take comfort in belonging to this organization, but they would feel 
emboldened, they would feel exhorted to fulfill their membership responsibilities. O living God, for the sake of your glory, for the sake of your most prized possession, aid us this morning to be refreshed and revived and reignited in our passion for your local community right here in Montgomery. We ask this for the praise, glory, and honor of your name, we pray. Amen. Amen? Amen. Well, let me start off with giving you fact number one. And fact number one as to why the church is the greatest institution in the world. Do you guys believe that, by the way? Do you believe the church is the greatest institution in the world? How many believe that? So I don't need to preach the message then, right? I can go home. Well, I want to refresh these truths you already know. Why the church is the greatest institution in the world, and I'm praying that by the Spirit of God we can rub these truths deep within your inward being. Fact number one, the church is the most important organization in the world because it is an organization built by God himself. Built by God. What? The church is built by God. Everybody say, it is what? Kids, let me hear it. The church is built by? Kids, let me hear you. Good God. Yes, good. The church is built by God. Let's open our Bibles, if you will, to Matthew. I believe this statement right here in Matthew would have been unbelievably crazy to those who heard it. It wouldn't have been understood at all. But look with me, Matthew chapter 16. You guys are well familiar with this passage, but let me declare its truths. Matthew 16, come with me to verse 18. I say, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, I, what? A little louder, I will, what? I, that is Christ himself, will build my, that is his own possession, it belongs to him, his what? Church. I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. My dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters, it must be understood that this thing called the church is invaluable to God. It is so invaluable that it is something that he says, I will take personal interest in building and establishing. And according to him, not even the gates of hell will prevent it from being built. The church is not just any organization. It's not just any institution. It is an institution that God himself is what? Building. One cannot say that God is the builder of the pyramids, nor the famous London Bridge. But one can say that God is the builder of what? The church. 
God is the builder of his church. According to the Bible, that God himself has laid every single brick. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 says it this way. Don't turn, don't worry. Just kidding. <laughs> verse 18, but now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. 1 Corinthians 12.24 says that God has composed the body. He not only places the members, he composes the body. It is God who's building every piece. As a building, it is God that's laying each stone upon the other. It is God who's taking intimate concern to go into this world and transfer people from the dominion of darkness into his church the kingdom of his son it is God who causes man to be born again amen amen, amen. amen. each one he adds to his church it's each individual soul he goes in, he converts them from being a slave of sin into a slave of obedience, and he brings them and he places them into this body called the church. Each one is born with intimate care by God himself. Each one, God out of goes with grace and enlightens out of his love, out of his care, crafted by himself. So if we're going to understand the church from God's perspective, we need to understand it is God that is building his church. Whether it's pretty or not, it is built by what? By God. He is the crafted master Piece. He's creating this masterpiece, the master planner. And as we look at the history of the world, we see in the Old Testament that God's inner workings and intimate love and passion for the nation of Israel, right? I would suggest to you, though Israel has not replaced, though the church has not replaced Israel, but in this day and age, in this church age, what Israel was to God in the Old Testament, the church is to God in what? The New Testament. As God loved Israel, so he loves us. God has decided to gather into his church men from every tongue, tribe, and nation. He has put together his prized possession and therefore if we are to see the church from God's perspective we need to understand it is the most valuable institution because it's being built by what God, God. I think it's really easy for us to forget these truths 
We just come to church and not realizing that every person here is invaluable to God. Every person here has been placed here by the hand of God for the care that God would receive through what? One another. There's a second fact that I want you to see. The second fact is this. The church is the most important organization in the world because it is an institution which Christ purchased with his own what? Blood. We just had communion. Look at three passages with me. Look first with me at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. All men, make sure you turn there. Ephesians 5. I want to hear pages turning. I know that we're doing a topical message this week. Turn your Bibles there, if you will. Ephesians chapter 5. Look with me in verse 25. Husbands, read with me. Husbands, what? A little louder. The wives want to hear it. Come on. Husbands, what? Love your? Your wives. This is one wife, by the way. It's the husbands. not Okay. But... Uh, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ, what? Just as Christ loved the, and what? Gave himself up for her. When it comes to the church, God didn't just love it theoretically. He loves the church practically. It is Jesus Christ himself who gave himself up for this most prized possession. The church is unique. The church is special. The church is a supreme and valuable institution because it is beloved by the Godhead. What institution in the world can it be said that Jesus Christ passionately loves what, church, what, what organization can it be said that God himself died for? There's no other organization but the, but the, but the church. Look with me in Acts 20, and you guys know this passage well, but Acts 20 says this, starting in verse 28. It's a word to the elders, so elders hear this word and be exhorted by it. It says this in verse 28, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The idea here is clear. The heart of this passage is this. Look, God has given his most precious possession in the hands of you elders. So be on guard. Watch it. He's given you this incredible possession. Please guard it with your life, knowing he's what? Purchased it with his own blood. The whole drive of the exhortation is you better look after it. This is invaluable. It was purchased by his own what? Blood. God has given us, this church, elders, 
And we must be careful. We must care for it. We must look after it because it was bought by the precious blood of Christ. Paul is exhorting that you might hear and be driven to understand the depth of the love that God has for this precious institution. That's why the Bible makes it so clear that don't mess with the church. That's why those who are put in leadership are held to a higher standard. Mark 9, 42 says, Whoever causes one of these little ones of mine who believe to stumble, it would be better for him if he would, a heavy stone millstone was put around his neck and he was cast into the sea. Don't mess with these whom I what? Love. That's the point. That's why James 3 says many of you shouldn't become teachers because you're going to be held to a higher what? Standard. Because you are caring for my church. Let me ask you, we know we have a crazy world today, but let's just say you guys get married in June. And President Trump calls you and says, hey, I want you to do me a favor. You guys are newly married. You guys have a lot of energy. Come and watch my grandchildren. And he goes and he has you guys watch his grandchildren. How much interest would you put in watching those grandchildren? Would you like cancel everything and, and like give all of your energy? You'd probably tweet with all your friends, hey, I'm with Trump's kids, right? And all of your energy, all of your passions would go to watching Trump's children. Am I right? Oh, come on. You'd even wear like, make America great again. And you know, they'll ha I mean, I, anyway. of course, why? It's President Trump. It's someone big, someone important. Well, listen, when we look, if we're going to see the church from God's eyes, we need to understand that these are God's what? Children. These are God's what? Children. And therefore, each one is in value. And therefore, each one should take utmost care, utmost concern. Church is God's building. God's most prized possession, the one which he purchased with his own blood. Let me give you a different exa example. I have spent 13 and a half years in Uganda, and I've been building this organization and giving my life to the people of Uganda. And, and let's say I, I live another 30, 40, 50 years uh, in Uganda building this organization. Doing, putting all of my energy, all of my passions to love, the, use SOS as a catalyst for the glory of God throughout East Africa. That'd be awesome, right? Woo! Uh-huh. Yes. Now what I do is I take this organization and I hand it over to someone else. Time of transition. I hand it to somebody else and within five years... They take that organization and they throw it away. And then they just, they take all of its resources. They turn all of the buildings into something that it was never designed. 
Would that not be tragic? Would that not be terrible? Of course it would. Because in reality, because I love SOS and I've died for SOS and all of my energies have gone, the, the, the expectation is that those who come behind me will love SOS the way I what? The way I love SOS. My brothers and my sisters, Jesus died for what? For what? The church. And therefore, the expectation and the thought is that we would be committed to the church as he is what? Committed to the church. That we, that he, since he gave his life for the church, that we in turn would give our life for the, the church. And every single person in this room has that responsibility. The second you become a member of this local church, you are a member for the purposes of building and strengthening this local church. You have that responsibility toward what? One another. And the elders, it can't just be a title we take. There are biblical God-ordained responsibilities that come with the role of elder that you must fulfill because God is called you and entrusted you those responsibilities. I love what Ephesians chapter 1 says. Ephesians 1 verse 22 says this, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Here, it's clear that God has given an unbelievable gift to the church. He has given Jesus Christ to the church. The supreme Lord, the king of all things, has been given as a gift to the church. How can the church be any more precious to God? If God gave up everything, his own beloved son for the church, then the church must be invaluable, am I right? There's a term in economics, and I'm not Mr. Economics, but I do know this one. The term says that the value of an object is determined by the price one is willing to pay for it. Now, in Uganda, we do dowries, and I wanted to use this opportunity to let Stephen in the back know that uh, we're going to have a dowry for my daughter. He didn't know about this. He thought he could get away with just asking her. But in Uganda, we have this system where the guy has to come to the family and ask for a price, has to pay for the daughter. And now, you can imagine if the guy comes to me and says, well, how much is your daughter worth? And I say, $5. You know, in the Ugandan context, if you say like $5, they're going to look at her and go, what's wrong with her? Do, do I really want her? I mean, if she's just worth $5, 
But if I come and, and Stephen comes to me and says, Stephen, <laughs> how much is my daughter? <laughs> she is worth a million dollars. Not only a million dollars, but you need to go and you need to get tail of a lion. You need to get the leg of a giraffe. You know, I mean, when we, we stack the deck, you know, then she's going to realize, oh my goodness, this girl is what? Invaluable. Why? Because the price being paid. Stephen will talk later. That same principle is true for the church. God paid the highest possible price, the price of his own son for the church. And what does it mean? It means that the church is invaluable. It means that we must give everything we have for his beloved organization because he gave everything he had. It's worth missions. It's worth the blood of missionaries. Why? It's the church. And if he gave his blood, we must give what? Ours. Our ministries that are wanting to promote the church shouldn't have to starve shouldn't have to come back and beg because everyone's committed to the church. And the more you live in this world, the more you and get outside of, of, of Disneyland America, the more you realize that we need the church. The world is pagan. The world is, 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 is lost. And it is only the church that restrains the evil. It's only the church that is the solution to man's problems and the, the, the degeneration of society. America is what America is because of one thing, the church. We are what we are because the church stood and, had, and impacted the community and those laws of the church got in our constitution. That's why we have America the way we have it. And therefore there's right and wrong. There's good and there's bad. And it's known publicly. It is only in this day when the church is quiet and stop being quiet that we are becoming silenced and now they're going and wanting to upend those laws. But they're in the Constitution because the church was the church and impacted the community in which we live. You go outside of America and listen, abandoning your children, that's common. The church is the solution for man. And let me understand, help you understand, the Bible says that God did not spare even his own son, but delivered him over. For us all, how will he not also freely give us all things? The idea is this. He gave us the greatest gift of his son, so anything else is simple. Fact number three. Fact number three. The church is the most important organization in the world. And you got to hear this because it is intimately connected or united to Jesus Christ. It is intimately connected or united to Jesus Christ. There are a couple images that you need to understand regarding the church. First image is this image of us being a household of God. First Timothy chapter three 
says this, verse 15. It says, but in case I delay, I am, write, I am writing so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. According to the Bible, the church is a what? Household. Everybody, the church is a what? Kids, household, say it. Household. Okay, good. Household of what? Of? Of God. Let me say it differently. It is God's what? House. God is in charge, and we are part of his intimate family. Ephesians 2.19 gives the same idea, that we are fellow citizens with the saints. We are God's household. My friends, the church is part of God's people. That is, we are so close that we are actually considered to be part of his own household. God is taking the most intimate imagery he can take, the household, and is using it to describe the relationship of us as an organization, or us as a people, to himself. That's why 2 Corinthians 6.18 and Ephesians 3.14 and 1 John 5.1 refer to us as sons and daughters of God, who is our Father. Therefore, the church right here is filled with God's children. Children who belong to God, what? Himself. Amen? Dear friends, in light of this truth, hear me. We better be careful how we treat each other. We better be careful that when we put somebody else down, we better be careful that we treat one another the way God would want us to treat one another. We better be careful that we're building up God's family instead of destroying his family. There's a second image that gives, is, makes it even more tighter. Listen to this. The second image, not only are we God's household, we are also God, Christ's body. Christ what? His body. You say, well, what, what do you mean, Shannon? Ephesians 1, and 23 says that God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to the church, which is his body. The church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians 5.30 says we are members of his body. This metaphor is, is describing the ultimate, intimate unity between God and himself. That we are so close to God that we are united with him, inseparable from him. That's why the Bible on a spiritual says when he died, we died. When he rose, we what? Rose. 
When he was buried, we were buried. There's an intimate, there's a union. Say, Shannon, help me understand this union more closely, more specifically. Well, listen to this. In Acts chapter 9, verse 4, powerful words are communicated. Acts 9, 4, you know the situation. Paul is mistreating God's what? Church. And on the road to Demaeus, here Paul hears words that haunted him his whole life. You know what words those were? Saul, Saul, why are you what? Persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? You say, wait a second here. When, did he per when you persecuted the church, you persecuted him because of the intimacy God has with the church. How you treat the church is how you treat Jesus Christ himself. They're inseparable. When you neglect the church, you neglect Christ. When you divide the church, you divide Christ. When you persecute the church, you persecute Christ. When you gossip against the church, you gossip against Christ. According to Jesus Christ, when you mistreat the church, you are mistreating Christ himself. They're inseparable. And when you look back at Galatians 1 and 1 Timothy 1 and Acts 9, every time Paul gives his testimony, he aches. He's burdened because of the fact that he was the one who persecuted the church. Well, let me take it even closer to home. Look what it says in Matthew 25, verse 40. Matthew 25, verse 40 says that the king will answer, speaking of the future judgment to come, that God will answer and say to them, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it what? Unto what? Unto me. The way we treat each other is the way we treat Christ. Can you hear the words of Jesus to Peter in John 21? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? If you love me, then what? Feed my pastors. Let me encourage you. We know that the sheep can be a little bit... <clears throat> We're just talking pastors here for a second. But just know, when you ache with them, when they kick you, when they get you dirty, what do you do to them? You do the greatest expression of our love, my dear friends, to God himself, to Jesus Christ himself, is to love the church that is around you. You show me someone that says, I love Jesus, but doesn't love the church, and I'll show you somebody that doesn't love what? Because to love Jesus is to love the church. It is broken. We know that. That's why you're in the church, to help it. Don't complain about the church. 
get active in the church because it's God's. And the greater the church shines, the greater the glory of God spreads throughout this place. If we're going to see the church from God's eyes, we must understand that it is intimately connected to Christ. The last thing I would say, and I'll give it quickly, is the church is the most important organization in the world because it is constantly nourished and cherished by God himself. It is constantly nourished and cherished by God himself. Ephesians 5.29, that whole husband's passage, also declares to us that we are to cherish our, we are to, let me go there so I don't obliterate it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29 says this. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes his own flesh, just as Christ does what? The church. Christ nourishes. Christ cherishes the church. And so therefore, it displays his love and passion for this institution. The Bible is very clear that God intimately knows the church, that God intimately protects the church. John 10, 3, John 3, 26 through 27, that God is actively pruning and providing for his church. John 15, 2 to 7, that God is taking a very active role in this church. So therefore, it's imperative if God would give such intimate care for his church that we surrender our lives to such an organization. What can be said about the church other than that it is the most important institution in the world? For such sacrifice, such attention, such care, such involvement to be given by the supreme God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth. For such intimate care to be given to one institution, it is very clear and self-evident that the church is the greatest institution in the world, deserving our paramount interest. There are a lot of things that are drawing our attention. But what should be at the top of that list is the church. I'm not talking about being in its buildings. I'm talking about strengthening its members. I'm talking about, and, and the activities here are for that purpose. This is what I'm talking about specifically. I'm talking about elders coming to the point where they are willing to die for this church, surrender their lives to make sure they are fulfilling their God-given calling of leading the church, of managing the church, of restoring sin, of living exemplary, of teaching the church, of voluntarily shepherding the church, of protecting the church and praying for the church. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about members as well being willing to die for not just their own family members, but also for the members of the household of God. What do I mean specifically? Well, the Bible says that we have responsibilities to faithfully attend church, 
to love and encourage other members in the church, to give our spiritual gifts for the maturing of the church, to financially support the church, to confront unbiblical practices in the church, to practice church disciplines, to disciple and bring the unbelieving in this world into the church, to proclaim proper theology and to submit under the leaders of this church. These are our responsibilities as members. These are our responsibilities as elders. And if we understand that God's church and see it from God's perspective here at Lakeside Bible Church, we'll never be the same. This body of believers should be so vibrant, so impassioned, because right here in this room, there are many who need the strengthening. I just heard this morning of my brother sick. His family needs encouragement and love. They need someone to put their arm around him and say, hey, be strong and courageous. Let's exalt God. My dear brother Brandon as he goes through another surgery, they still need love. They still need encouragement as they have encouraged me in Uganda. There's many here. This newly married couple, nor getting married. You're not married yet. Don't forget that. They need a lot of help. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, we all have roles to play. May we spend our time loving what Christ loves his church. Father, we come to you this morning and we would pray as your servant Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21, now to you who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask and think according to the power that works within us to you alone be the glory in your church and in Christ Jesus. Father, we pray that that would be the case here in this church through these people, that we would live in a missional world, missionally in this world. And we pray this to all generations forever and ever. Amen. As we serve the Lord in Uganda, please uh, make sure you get our updates. Make sure you're a part of what we're doing. And if you guys aren't supporting our ministry in some way, just as individuals, we'd invite you to do that. Those that are, I cannot say how much I appreciate you. You guys, we love you, and we're so thankful. Please let me give you a hug before you leave. But uh, we would invite you guys to help us strengthen God's church and build it in Uganda. May the Lord bless you.